This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host Mike Trampy sits down with DJ Payne One and music producer Homage to discuss the biggest mistake a producer can make. To our pro page users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a ProPage member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show. We are live. I apologize about the transition there. It's been a been about a month since I've hosted a show, I feel like. So glad to be back here. I got two incredible people with me who are both muted. So if you guys would love to unmute yourselves, that would be great. My name is Mike Trampy. I'm the B-Stars Community Director. Hopefully you guys have actually been on one of my shows in the past. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to learn a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm excited to be here. Ooh, I got an echo going on. Anybody else hear that? A little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Test, 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 test. Still hear myself. Not sure where it's coming from. Um, but, yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. I got two incredible producers from BeatStars. I'm going to start below me. Hamid, first time I've ever actually got to see this guy, talk to this guy um, in person, if you want to call it that. But, Hamid, man, it, it, you've been a longtime member, man. Like, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Excited to be here. Uh, glad to finally meet you and uh and be be on the live here glad we got to make it work yeah man i appreciate you taking the time out of your day thank you again for joining us and you know we got this other guy here you might have heard of him you might not have heard of him um he's this guy who makes beats his name's dj Payne one uh welcome to the show sir how are you doing today i'm just really excited to be here and to meet you for the first time mike um oh yeah and and to speak to your <laughs> point i actually posted a a, con- a screenshot of a instagram comment about me today um, that said, this guy is not making money neither from placement nor selling beats. Mm. So I agree with that statement that I don't think many people know who I am. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a tough one, man. You know, I'm actually you know. not even here right now on camera. So if, if anybody's <laughs> seeing this, please consult a psychiatrist. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, DJ Payne One. I know you're usually on the other side hosting, so you're actually going to be on the uh, answering side this time, but we appreciate you, man. Um, you know, both you guys, I was doing a little bit of research um, prior to the show, and just in general, you guys combined have been on the platform for 10 years. Can you believe that? Sheesh. 10 years, man, to combined. So, P- Payne, you've been on for six, surprisingly. I thought it was less than that. It feels and- like less because I was an idiot for like the first three. That is true. Think, That's and, very. And we're gonna we're going to touch on that too. Okay, then I'll, I won't say. It. I'll shut up now. Yeah, that echo is killing me too. I don't know if anybody else can still hear it, but uh, I'm going to do my best to fight through it. If anybody realizes this, then please turn it off. Um, let me make sure it's not me, right? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's combined 10 years. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a long time. Um, Hamid, you joined from what I gather and correct me if I'm wrong back in 2016, right? I think it was September, 2000, end of September, 2016. It looks like. Sounds about right. I'll Sounds trust good. your stats <laughs> and pain and pain. Like I said, you've been on since May, 2014. Uh, but like you said, you're an idiot for the first three years. These were your words, by the way. Um, the first three years that you were. Okay, it's a fact. So, I want to start. I want to start with Hamid. So I, I kind of do all these shows the same when it's kind of getting background information and just pulling stats and looking at them and then getting feedback. So, Hamid, I'm going to start with you, man. Um, like I said, September 2016, you joined the platform. Uh, the end of September. Um, since then, you've uploaded 767 tracks that are actually, um, you know, live and for sale on the platform. You have 1.7 million streams. You have about 39.2 thousand followers, give or take. Um, and then I backtrack some of your stuff to YouTube, just curious to see what you did on YouTube. And lo and behold, you have 148,000 subscribers. So if anybody has seen this show before, and if you haven't, definitely go back and watch the four episodes prior. But what you're going to learn is that every single person on this show has something in common. And it, it, it's about the streams. It's about how many tracks they've uploaded. It's how they've utilized other platforms to drive traffic. So, Hamas, let's let's before we dive into those things specifically, let's talk about 
who you are, who you are as a producer, a music lover, um, even before you got on Beat Stars. Kind of like, how'd you get your start? You like, do you have family members that are have a musical background? Did you grow up in a musical household? Like, tell us, tell us kind of like your story. Yeah. So, um, like as a kid, I was always, I was always interested in music, but like nobody in my family was really like musicians or anything. So, um, you know, I played, I played trumpet and band when I was like in in middle school and all that. So I was always interested in music, but I was always way more interested in sports. So, (laughs) um, I didn't really take it seriously. And I, I ended up quitting, uh, quitting the band by high school just to focus on sports. And then, um, kind of fast forward, uh, I ended up playing college football, uh, at a small school and, um, you know, throughout this time, I'd always, I'd always loved hip hop. I always like felt like I had a pretty good ear for hip hop. Um, and, uh, I would, all my friends would get together and they would always tell me to play the beats when they were freestyling. Like, Hey, you play, play the beats. Cause I like, you know, I always had, always had good beat selection or whatever. And then one day I was like, no, I was, was going like, to say, I was the same guy too, man. In, in college, yeah. I was the same guy. Yeah. Look, go like, ahead. Hey, man. Hey, you, you play, play those beats you found, you know? So, so I would always play like Alchemist beats, Dilla beats, old Pete rock beats, um, you know, Primo beats and stuff like that. And, uh, that was around the time that like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like 27. So that was around the time that Mac Miller was like doing his thing on, uh, with his early mixtapes. And so, um, his, uh, Kool-Aid and frozen pizza beat was super popular, which is a Lord finesse beat hip to the game. And, uh, I remember that being like one of my favorite beats. And, uh, and then I remember at one point I was just like, listen to all these beats. And I was like, yo, let me, let me try to figure out how to, how to make these. And then that's when I started learning about sampling and how, um, you know, how these like super soulful sounds came together. And I was always driven to like the more, the more soulful sound, I guess. But, uh, um, yeah. And then from there, I just kind of like fell in love with it. Like, it's a weird thing. Um, when you, when you like hear the original record and then you hear how it was flipped, it's like this really addicting feeling, at least for me, it was, I know some people feel the same way. So I got, I got super into like sampling and then, you know, started progressing and then kind of just stuck with it for that was in 2012. So yeah. Eight what, years, did, I guess. what did you start with, with like hardware software wise? Like kind of, how did you like, what was the first thing you touched to start making beats? Uh, garage band. Garage first band, thing okay. I could find. Yeah. And then I had like, um, what was, what was the DJ, the like super entry level DJ software? Payne, Payne you'll know this. Virtual uh, DJ. Virtual DJ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I would loop stuff up on virtual DJ <laughs> and like, uh, <laughs> like beats and stuff. And then, you know, eventually I, I was reading online and, and, uh, everyone was just like, pick something like just pick one DAW and learn it inside now. Cause you can do anything in every DAW. So I just picked Ableton. Cause I think I had like, a uh, the light version from a controller that I had bought or something. So I just picked it, learned how to use it. And, uh, at that time only EDM people were using Ableton. So I guess I was kind of early in the hip hop. Cause I remember going on YouTube and it was like, there was no hip hop tutorials in general then, but especially in Ableton, it was like, there was nothing really out there. So it was really hard to learn, especially for like a nuanced style, like somebody like Dilla, who I was trying to emulate. It was so hard to learn. Like, how does he get his drums to sound like, like that and stuff? So it it took a while, but um, it's been fun, man. You, You said you're 27 right now. Yeah. 27. Where, where does your love for Pete Rock and Dilla and all that come from? I think it's just like when, when I would play beats for people and they're like, what is this? You know? And it was always, it was always that, or I guess it started hearing Mac Miller rap on those, on those beats or like, even, even when I was younger, like one of my favorite songs was uh, hate it or love it, which is like a super soulful sample. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like addicted to that sound. And then as I started like digging more, I just started finding all of all of that stuff so i guess no, i kind of yeah. found it on my own <laughs> yeah no that's cool man i was just curious because you know i got about 10 10 and a half years on you age wise so you know i obviously yeah. found out about pete rock and cl smooth like you know from reminisce and just actually like 
buying the cassette tape at Sam at Sam Goody at the time on Tuesdays when albums used to drop. So that's how I got into it. I had an older sister who, you know, was in the hip hop. So that's how I got my start. So you being 10 years younger, I'm just curious because it's it's dope. Like, obviously, I love your yeah. sound selection. I love your ear. I mean, if I had to choose one genre of music, um, I'm going to go with what I grew up on. And that's, you know, 90s boom bap hip hop, preferably East Coast. But obviously, I love every every coast, West Coast, down south. I love everything. I love all types of music. Yeah. But but I was just curious because I think it's an interesting it's an interesting take and kind of an interesting sound for a younger guy, which you're younger to me, um, obviously. Would. So. So yeah, just it's interesting it that from. you say that because now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like a lot of the video games I was playing as a kid put me mm. on to like I remember hearing like Rock Him on like this skating game I used to play and mm. always like trying to play that song over and over. I forget what the game was. It wasn't Tony Hawk, it was like an off brand skating game. So probably video games too. That's dope, man. No, that's really cool. So, okay, so we understand kind of where you came from and how you got your start. So, I guess, how did you find out about Beat Stars and kind of what made you go on the Beat Stars? And then, you know, when did you really start seeing success from it as well? Because I think a lot of people who, you know, join Beat Stars maybe haven't seen this success or they're working towards that success. Like, what do you what do you think that was like? That transition point was for you. Um, so I, I started just making beats and uploading them to YouTube, I guess like 2014, uh, 2015. Um, I don't know if any of those beats are still up. I probably deleted them, but, uh, (laughs) um, but I remember like trying to build my own website and like trying to sell stuff Mm -hmm. on there, like try to give free downloads. And it was super clunky and went through a, a few different options until, you know, I finally landed on beat stars. What do you say? That was 2016. Yeah. September, 2016. I think the 27th to be exact. I did my research, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so 2016, I switched to beat stars and I just remember it being like a world of difference from like the other platforms that I was using. So, facts that's facts yeah <laughs> no, i appreciate that man now listen yeah, yeah. man we we've been a huge fan of yours since since you joined us from since i since i can remember at least i mean i've been involved with beatstars since probably 2012 obviously a lot that. a lot a lot more in depth in the over the last three years but i mean i remember coming across your stuff playlisting your stuff reposting it when i was you know doing those things and just being like yo this dude's dope man i thought you were an older dude that's why i asked you about the age because i thought you were like my age like just the sound you have um but no incredible man we're gonna play some of your tracks too i got some of your yeah. top tracks like queued up um that i pulled um but yeah i mean pain so we're gonna just shift kind of the same questions over to you man um you know i'm sure a lot of people watching this might have heard pain story because he likes to tell his story a lot um but <laughs> we're gonna tell this story again pain man so may 2014 we're gonna touch on the first couple of years you were messing around thing but i mean over the time here we go again 806 tracks 2.8 million streams 28.5 thousand followers and once your youtube of course 98.3 thousand so i mean like you you guys are kind of in the same space to me time wise a little different how you got involved I think it's going to be completely different based on what Payne's going to tell us. But overall, I mean, it's just, it looks like consistency. It looks like time. Um, it looks like great music. I mean, there's the three things that I just see over and over again. So Payne, man, talk to us about, you know, if you want to give us a brief background on kind of just how you even got your start in music, have you ever really, you know, explained that on live or anything like kind of like how you actually got involved with this craft and, you know, you wanted to do it for a living. Uh, those are two very separate questions. Cause the first I beat I made, I was 14. And it was just that I went to a school um, that was a technology magnet school, or was supposed to be. It kind of ended up being something else. Shout out to, to James C. Wright Middle School, um, Southside. Uh, but I went to that school and learned a lot about computers because that was their thing. It was the first time I ever saw anybody record MIDI, the, the computer teacher, showed that to me. Um, and I just wanted to make music. I was always, I, I've been just someone who listened to all types of music my whole life. Um, obviously, hip hop spoke to me because that was, you know, the mm-hmm. the age I was in, the, the people I was around listening to it. And I decided to, when I was 14, I was at my friend's apartment. He had a, a keyboard that was not made for making beats at all. And I was like, Okay, so at school we learned on our own. That no one taught us this. We would. You remember those Macs where if you would hit the um, the volume button, a sound would come out. But you a, a duck was it? Wasn't it a duck? 
Yeah, I think so. It was some weird sound, and you could. I got suspended it. for doing that, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of kids at my school did because they would change it. The funniest one was this girl Kiana did it. <laughs> like you would push the button, and, she, and her voice would come on, calling you a bitch. It was hilarious. So we figured that stuff out on our own, and so I knew you could record audio into a computer. So I'm at my friend's apartment. He has this keyboard. I was like, "Are there drum sounds on there?" He's like, "Yeah." yeah. So I listen to them i thought it was amazing they sounded terrible um you know because it's it's a keyboard mm-hmm. for it was a clavichord or a clavinova or something one of those electric yeah. keyboards that you know for like recitals and stuff so i had a dj mugs beat in my head i'm like let me try to make something similar to that so with like one finger i just tapped out some keys and then i added drums on top of it and we recorded it into his computer and that was that was the beginning of the DJ Payne one error started. Yeah. yeah, so that I mean that's how I started and I just kind of tried to figure out how to expand on that that one little you know, two bar loop experience that I had. And I just tried everything, you know, twelve track recorders, um mm-hmm. four track recorders, hardware that I couldn't afford, you know, because I was fourteen. Um computer programs all that i think i think eventually i had cool edit that was the single track wave editor and i was trying to make beats that way just by i think this is the reason i have all right rhythm is that i i was programming drum loops without a grid i was just doing it by eyeballing it which was, it's a terrible experience it you know it, it takes you like 50 minutes just to come up with a with like a, a single measure loop um, cause you're manually inserting silence and hoping that it works out. But yeah, you know, that's, that's how I started. Um, I never, I never intended on making that a career though. Okay. What, when did we meet, man? 2010? Uh, either two, I think it was more like 2009. Okay. Cause yeah, I think you're right. You came out with hatch and, um, I remember that night. It was at this venue that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I remember it too. It was a great night. Yeah. So if, if people don't know, so me and me and Payne, uh, Payne actually, I don't know if you hit me up or if it was it was Shaw hit no, me you up. You hit but... me up, and I got really nervous. T- so you hit me up, right? There was this big head <laughs> cocky dude in my city, right? Mm. That looks like my older brother, um, but we weren't really friends at the time. But he was just really energized, and you know, he was trying to take over the game, and you know, I, he, he was. He thought he was Scarface, and he was trying to take over the city, um, but on a musical level, not on a drug level. And so he saw that I was doing a lot of stuff, and he was just always, like, man, I'm gonna take over. I just need, I need the power. I, I gotta work. I gotta make it happen. And I'm like, oh god, this guy. So he, um, and th- that's my brother. I love him, but he uh, <laughs> was always trying to, you know, have a hand in everything, and you randomly email me and you're like hey man yeah i see you you got some stuff going on in madison we have this this traveling showcase with some industry panelists and some great prizes uh you know we want to bring it to your city i'm like there's no way i'm not i'm I'm doing that that's that's too much of a responsibility i'm not booking a venue i'm not handling the the marketing and the ticket sales and all that no way but I'm like, wait a minute. There's this guy over here that's all. I'm ready to do whatever. I'm taking mm-hmm. over the city. I'm like, oh, perfect. If he really wants to take over the city like that, let me connect him with Mike and see what happens. So that was a beautiful night because one, we met, and then that began our you know really long term working relationship, mm-hmm. and it also started my relationship slash friendship with Shah, who's the guy I've been imitating the whole time. He actually pulled off the venue. It was a great night. It was packed. Mm-hmm. It was a mm-hmm. successful event, and it just brought everybody closer because yep. our, the foundation of all of our our friendship was making something happen that we yep. said was was going to happen. So it was just like integrity and um, th- that level of trust that that you don't get from just you know talking with someone. We actually did something that we all worked on together. So it was cool. Yeah, you know, and you know, the reason I kind of like ask these specific questions for you to tell that story is, you know, not that just so we can reminisce and be like, ah, oh, man, we're old. 
Um, but I'm not. Old. It's just it's <laughs> speak for yourself, but it just shows you the power of you know of relationships in not only this music industry, but in just life in general. And you know, when I approached Pain back in 2009 ish, 10, um, you know, it was with an opportunity and some type of value that we could offer. You know, Madison wasn't Madison, Wisconsin's not known as being a big you know music town or for hip hop <laughs> specifically, mm-hmm. but what I saw was opportunity because what I saw was a town that had like 10 colleges in a five mile radius. And I saw a bunch of people don't, don't get opportunities. So not just me, uh, the guy I was doing the show with Jay Hatch. And, you know, we decided, we decided that we wanted to do different cities like that. And I think you can kind of, what you can take from that is as a producer, it's not always kind of like the big flashing lights, meaning the big flashing artist or, you know, specific things of that nature that you always have to look at. There's opportunities everywhere and there's talent everywhere. So I think the internet and specifically beat stars gives you, you know, a really, a really dope chance to, you know, build with people and build long-term relationships. But, you know, to sum that whole story up, basically, we did these events. Me and Payne uh, became friends, not only just, you know, business colleagues. We've been friends over all these years. Um, and, yeah, so, so I guess fast forward to 2014, just so the story doesn't last three hours. What what happened then, man? Because I, I know in 2009 I wasn't aware of BeatStars Um and then it came, kind of came around like 2011, 2012. And then I really started, you know, working with Abe closely after that. And then I guess at some point in 2014, I guess I was like, yo, please, I pay one. You need to sign up for BeatStars. Um, and that's how you got on. This is what I'm assuming. That's what I can that's remember. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was, okay. it was you trying to convince me to come on, me dragging my feet, just, you know, being stupid and not really understanding the, the beat leasing model. Which is mm-hmm. something that had been around forever. Like I, when I when I think back on how dumb I was, you know, everybody around me was using Superstar O vibe Johnny Giuliano beats, mm-hmm. and even before yes. that, during the MP3.com era, I, everyone was using Soul Eternity beats. So I knew that these guys were making a lot of moves. I just didn't connect it in my head because I had this this ridiculous industry fantasy where you know i was going to jump in the industry and make 10 million dollars off a publishing Mm -hmm. deal and so i I dragged my feet and i I regret that because had i started in 2014 i mean i I signed up for beat stars in 2014 but i think i uploaded 10 beats and just let them sit and i'm like man i'm only selling like one or two a month what's going on and you and then eventually i don't know if abe just took it upon himself to start trying to beat some sense into me but you know you periodically call me like we got to talk about this man you you really could be doing a lot um the the biggest push for me was when abe asked because i was i was always doing the youtube interviews and stuff for the producer community and so abe said oh he'd be a good moderator for our our a3c panel in atlanta so he said okay cool i'm gonna fly you out to atlanta you're gonna moderate all the panels that's when i actually met the guys doing it that's when my friendship with Dream Life started. Another, like, to me, Dream Life is like a Mike Trampy in the sense that that's one of those um, music business friendships that is just, it's changed my life. So I met, I met Dream Life, I met The Crates, I met Beat Demons, these are uh, DG. These are all people that I talk to to this day. I think I met Cash Money AP that, that same event as well. Um, mm-hmm. And just hear, just having conversations with them, seeing them work, getting actual insight from them, because these are some of the most forthcoming people and some of the most uh, accepting producers who are willing to share resources, who are willing to be upfront about everything. It was just such a refreshing change for me because a lot of people are hiding opportunities, a lot of producers in the industry. And I understand because it's, it's scarce when you're working with the, with the majors and stuff. I think that's changing. I think there's more collaboration nowadays, but mm-hmm. at that time, not so much. It's like you were either in or you weren't. And I was not in on the, on the beat stars producer community, but what happened? Oh, dream life. Yeah. Yeah. Let's collab. Beat demons. Yeah. Let's collab the crazy. Yeah. Let's collab. Okay, cool. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. And, I learned from them and I learned from seeing what they were doing and seeing their successes and seeing their work ethic. And then also hearing you and Abe constantly tell me, you could be doing this, you could be making this, you could be stepping it up. And I don't know. I was, I was late to the party, but 
I eventually showed up, and yeah, it it changed everything for me. Dude, crazy story. Thank you for sharing with us. And uh, you know, it's it's just crazy how things like work, and like when you take chances, and you when you actually like really invest the time into doing something. Because I can I can take from like what you said of you know different things kind of change your perspectives and kind of actually change your life. But like those changes not only helped you and affected you, I, I feel like they've helped and affected a lot of people because all these people now that are in tune with your brand, whether it's buying your beats or listening to your free, you know, shows, the MEC show, or just your YouTube channel or, you know, your Twitter rants, which are hilarious, but educational at the same time. Um, I I just, I I think the moral of that whole story of like just how everything came together, man, is just, just value like the people you work with, treat them fairly, be respectful, all for value. I say it all the time. It's not always about you, you, you. Um, I think there's, I think there's ways of of building with people. So it's only gotten easier. So you got to remember like social media beat stars when we met was out there, but it wasn't as, as big as it is now. And there's, it's only going to keep growing and be making stuff easier for people to interact and collaborate collaborate and share information and share whatever it is. So now two amazing stories. Uh, thank you guys for sharing them with us. That's super dope. So Hamid's man, like, what do you think? What do you think the biggest, if you, if you're a new producer, right, you're just coming into the, into the industry right now, or not even industry into like the online beat selling game. And I don't even think we should be looking at it as the online beat selling game. I think you should look at it as your business. You're an entrepreneur, how you packaging up your sound, your branding, your vibe, whatever it is, um, and getting it out there. Like, what do you think is the single most important thing that like somebody new or somebody who just recently started should be doing? I know it's a hard question, but, um, a lot has changed, but I mean, like, yeah. is, it, is it making a YouTube channel and driving traffic is it, you know, uploading to, you know, SoundCloud and other places to drive traffic? Is it paid advertising? Like what, what, what do you think is, is the best way? Um, and is it just a consistency thing, you know, and just getting yeah. better with time? I mean, if you could sum it yeah. up. No, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to break it down and think of like one thing that would like, if you do this, everything else will kind of take care of itself. But when I, when I think about that, um, you know, assuming the person is like newer, um, I would just encourage them to like be true to themselves Mm -hmm. and, and use that, uh, like, um, use that energy and like passion for music Mm -hmm. to impact every other, um, every other lane. So like a perfect example would be like when I started, I remember uploading beats on YouTube in like 2015 and they were like boom bap old school stuff. And I remember people would comment and be like, yeah, this is cool. But like, this sounds like 1995. So like, nobody's ever going to want to rap on this. Nobody's going to ever buy this beat from you. And I like, at first I was like, Oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I have to like try this. Maybe I have to try that. Cause you know, going back, like at that time, Superstar O and Vibe and Johnny Giuliano, like that was who was killing it mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the game. And so, you know, there was like a big chunk of a year where I think I probably stunted my growth because I was trying to do all these different things. Like I was trying to like, oh, well, you know, they're doing they're they're successful doing that thing. So maybe I should try that. But what when I look back on it, I was really kind of just like jumping from thing to thing. And then eventually I, I kind of just had this moment where I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to figure out what I like most and try to perfect that area. And then eventually once I get really good at that, expand into other things. And so for me, that looked like, okay, I'm going to focus on boom, bad beats. And then eventually once I get really good at that, I can, you know, expand into other areas. But, um, really that came from, from me, like just loving that sound and loving, you know, like that was what was most fun to me. And I was most interested in that. And so I think I was able to, um, give more time and like really just like get addicted and like spend ridiculous hours, like trying to figure out how to get better at that specific sound because I loved it so much. And I think that a lot of new people, maybe they're just, oh, this person's doing that. I'll try that. And then they try it. And then it's not actually true to like who they are or what Mm -hmm. they actually really want to do in the long term. And then when they're not successful, 
they jump on the next thing. And uh, that's not knocking like any genre by any means, but as long as like you're genuinely interested in it yourself, like that's the number one thing that will um, take you to the next level in all of the other areas that it takes to be a successful, like online business really in general. So facts. No, it's dude. Great, great feedback, man. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I think it's easier or not easier. It's easy to, you know, look at trends and look at some things of, you know, how music's moving and what's popular and be like, Oh, I need to do those things. Um, but you know, after talking to countless amounts of producers, especially on this show and just in general is I, I find that everybody that's been super successful for the most part, I'd say it's like an 85 to 90% um, rate is, you know, they just, they all just did what they love. They hyper-focused on whether it was a certain genre or mood, and they really just kind of perfected their craft. And it seems that they're happier. Um, they're finding more success that way. I'm not saying everybody should go do that, but it's something to take a look at. Cause you can always, like you said, expand out, you know, once you kind of got your sound down and you kind of have, have your business down, then you can take a little bit more risks and, and different things or try different sounds and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're, if you're a, a fan and, and love boom bap, like you are, like you're saying, you know, and that's what you like to make, like it would make not a lot of sense to kind of, alternate to do some other genre just to do it because that's what's trending right now. So I think a lot of people do get caught up in that. Um, Payne, I know you had this issue too. Um, your sound is super diverse. Don't get me wrong, but I think what you really excel at personally, and I think a lot of people agree with it is, you know, that Rick Ross sounding like you just got those dope drums and they just got, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but you have a sound for sure. You obviously can make a lot of other dope stuff. Um, but how long did it take you to figure that out? Like, is that something that you, you realized after a year, two years, three years? I mean, kind of, how did you figure that part out? I went through the same thing that Hamas went through. Um, and this goes back to relationships. It was dream life who had that reality check moment with me where he told me that I needed to just focus on the, the core sound and I had to ask, you know, what mm -hmm. is my core sound? And really, it was it was staring me in the face because if you look at, at my resume at all, you'll see that, you know, my, my most popular, you know, big placement records have all had a very similar sound. Um, you know, starting at GZ Don't Do It and moving on to, like, Ludacris Money. You know, a lot of these records just had this this feel that wasn't necessarily tied into an era that just kind of felt, timeless but also classic at the same time um and that that's why i feel there you know a rapper like rick ross has such an amazing ability to select beats because mm -hmm. those the, the a lot of the beats that he has used for his albums have a timeless sound where 10 years from now they're not going to feel tied into a to a specific era um and a lot of music doesn't age well or at very least it ages in a way that betrays the time that it was released you know we can listen to a record and say oh that sounds like early 2000s mm -hmm. we can listen to a record and say that definitely sounds like 80s with certain styles of beats we can't really say that and you know there's nothing wrong with making something current if that's what you love but as Homage was saying, it's not sustainable to force yourself to make something that you're not fully committed to. Mm -hmm. It's just not. You're not going to want to do that day after day. You're, the, this is the kind of setup that that causes people to take long breaks or quit or give up or, you know, whatever, because they're just they're not motivated to make that music. And I think a, a huge error that I see so many pr uh, producers make um, is believing this narrative that you have to make. It, it was funny. I tweeted the other day. Um, produ some producers really think rappers only want trap beats. And I got a backlash. I get backlashes for the most innocent truisms that I will post. I could post right now, puppies are cute, and someone would have an issue with it. But I, I posted that, that, yes, some producers <laughs> think rappers just want trap beats. And the response I got was, yeah, they do. You're stupid. You're People want what's trendy. You make th that old-sounded stuff and no one's going to buy it. You want to be broke the rest of your life. I'm like, I'm making a living making listen, music listen. that's not 
trap. So it's just pain, pain. The people, the people, hold on. The people who say that and think that man are the same people who have been brainwashed into thinking that the only way you can be successful in the music industry is to get signed and to blow up. And that's yeah. way far from the truth. But continues your story. Well, there are just a million narratives out there that all you have to do to to see past is to just look at the people actually living it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of look at homage. He's not making trap beats, so there goes that narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Snow the product. She's not signed to a major, and she's doing just fine. There goes shout, that narrative. Shout out to Snow. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Snow. I, I wish she would. I'm, ta- I'm talking to her right now in text. That's why I said shout out to Snow. Oh, tell her, <laughs> tell her, tell her. DJ Payne one, a, no. a producer she worked with in her former life, says hi. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I really love her music. Um, yeah, Thanks. just, just don't, don't believe these. Any narrative that restricts and limits you is probably one worth challenging. If the narrative is you have to get signed to be successful, that's a limiting narrative. Challenge it. At very least, look around to see if that's true. See for yourself. If someone, if if, if you're making beats that have a certain sound, and, and some asshole tells you, "No, you'll never sell those." Yeah, challenge that narrative. Yeah, I, dude. I listen. I I know me and Dame actually uh, debated this or discuss it, whatever you want to call it, on a past MEC show that I'm sure you can find um, if you look it up, but. I said there's a fan base out there for everybody, and he argued uh, that there wasn't. But I wasn't clear on why I said that. Um, when I said that, obviously, you have to be talented in some some sort of fashion um, and have quality content. I mean, we have seen horrible content do well in more of, like, meme-style uh, sharing. But overall, like, if you have good content, and then there's great content. Then there's just amazing content. Like, but even with good content, there's still a fan base out there. Like, you can reach them easily. So, I just feel like this whole fitting in, doing what people they think people are looking for, and not staying true to who they are is again, it's just a brainwash mentality. And it goes back to what I was saying: was there's literally people out there that don't even know that you can build, you know, a solid fan base, um, have no hits, and probably making a hundred k a year or more. Um, I see it day in and day out. Um, and that's something, you know, I've always been an advocate of, of talking about because I just feel like direct to consumer, direct to fan is the best way to go. You control all your music, you control, not saying that like there aren't deals out there that you can be involved with that are beneficial, but I'm just saying overall, I think, you know, being able to release your own music and, um, from a producer's perspective, obviously, you know, you're controlling what you're uploading, what you can release, who you're working with, how your pricing is. It's, Dude, you're running your own business. And, I mean, who who doesn't want to do that? Yeah, it's stressful. Yeah, the hours are long. But at the end of the day, um, you have kind of full control over it. So I just say make what you want to make and stay true to the sound that you want to do. And there's a fan base out there for it, I promise you. If you if you do the research and understand how to reach them, um, and we talk about it all the time, it, it's totally doable. So I'm more just trying to motivate people. So, um yeah, guys, let's play some tracks. Let's play some tracks from you guys. Um, I know I saw somebody asking about touching on publishing splits, but I don't know if we're going to get into that type of stuff. This isn't really like a Q&A about, you know, specific things of that nature. I know we've had uh, we've had attorneys on in the past, guys, so, like, definitely look that up on our channel yeah. when we talk about this stuff. Beatstars.world. Yep. Um, at our at the last two Beatstars summits, we had Carl Folks, who's an entertainment attorney that represents producers, we talk about publishing splits, and actually, on the most recent um, summit, that happens to me all the time with my cat. Uh, on the last, on the most recent summit, we had um, Will from from Sony ATV Publishing. I mean, that's what he does. He's a publisher, so that's that's uh, one to look up. It's all archived. It's all there on www.beatstars.world. So check that out. Work. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, let's share. Let's share a screen. I got homage's stuff pulled up first, so let me just pull his stuff up. Guys, save your questions too. We'll we'll take about ten minutes at the end to answer some questions. My dog definitely just opened my door. Let me close uh, it. Again. My cat does that all the time. I mean, on live, <laughs> the Pug Life crew is acting reckless. I apologize. All right, can you guys see my screen? Yes. 
Okay, just making sure you guys are there. All right, so I pulled up your tracks, top selling. Uh, City of Angels uh, was a highlighted track. I can play that first if you want. I'll probably play like yeah, two, or, two or three of these. I'll just go one, the starred one, then one, two. Um, so, yeah, as you can see, this is filtered. This is all front-facing stuff you can see on the BeatStars Marketplace. I just want the homages uh, page. Okay. And then I just want the tracks, and then I just sorted. You can sort by most played, top selling. I sorted by top selling. Um, so this is how you can see this information. When I'm pulling this stuff up, um, you know, on the show, it's, it's based off just, you know, stuff that everybody can see. I don't have some, you know, secret information that I'm looking at. Uh, but, yeah, let's check it out. So your first track, man, um, City Angels, 17.9 thousand plays. Let's check out when you drop this. March 22nd of this year. So, you know, talking, what, six, seven, eight months old. Uh, as you can see, the interaction is huge. 43 repos, 508 likes, 18 comments, about 18,000 plays. It's a Kendrick. Uh, who else you got on here? Okay. Cool. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's check this out. If you guys can just mute yourself, what I'll do is I'll play City of Angels first. Um, and then I'll go right into the second one and then probably right into the third one. Just, let's see what else we got. Storytelling, chill, Kanye. So we got some Kendrick storytelling, chill, Kendrick vibes coming up. Enjoy. Let's just, we'll listen to about a minute of each. Let's get it. Thank you. 
crazy, man. Yo, that last beat was from 2017, October. So we're talking about like three year three year old beats, one of your top selling beats. I love it. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff, man. The City of Angels track is one of my favorites you've done for sure. That just like so many vibes on that, man. Have you had anybody um you know do anything with that beat? Like specifically that you know that stuck out? I could hear it in like a movie or like something too, not only with an artist, but like I could hear it like just as like background music too. It's fire, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, definitely one of my favorites, which is why I pinned it. Yo, make sure you use that pin feature. <laughs> use that pin um, feature. But yeah, I appreciate it, man. Uh, nothing nothing that I've heard that like really, really grabbed me yet. But I mean, that other beat is like three years old, so time will tell. It's crazy, man. How much are you cooking up? Are you cooking up every day? And what's your upload schedule like right now? Like, are you like, I, I, cause I know, you, uh, dude, you went hard. It was at 726 tracks, 767. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, like, what's, are you still uploading? Like, I mean, you had to have been uploading daily at some point or at least every other day to get to that number, or unless you just bulk uploaded a ton at once. No. So in 2016, 2017, and 2018, I think I uploaded every single day or like really close to every single day um, because I knew that like that's what was uh, that's what was like a lot of the big YouTubers that were doing like Casey mm-hmm. and I said I was vlogging every day and I was like, yo, if, if Casey's vlogging every day, I could I could do beats every day on YouTube. And so um, I sense like I don't I don't upload every day anymore but i try to do like four to five beats per week still pretty consistently so fire man that's crazy inspiration guys like come on this guy's been on the platform you know for four years he's got almost 800 tracks up and he's still uploading four to five times i don't want to hear no excuses no excuses i'm not i'm not taking them anymore (laughs) so dude listen listen man awesome awesome stuff um love your love your channel Keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm always checking out your stuff and really appreciate you coming on today, too. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Hell yeah, man. Pay, man. Let's let's get into what you're working with here, man. So what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with your pin joint or you want to go right into Aspire? Um, We can go right into Aspire because that's like my first viral beat. Okay. Cool. Let's let, we'll listen to like one or we'll listen to like three of these. And I got a shout out to the co-producers on that because I I played the keys on that and then I sent okay. them to Dream Life, who sent them to Dirt Boy. So it was it was a group effort, and that just kind of goes to show you, you know, biggest beat. It's at a, a million. It's about to hit a million on YouTube, and so that let's was go. Kind of an amazing thing to witness. Hell yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Let's check this out. <laughs> Yo, this is J. Cole, what up? With DJ Payne, one, 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 one.
DJ Pain One. crazy crazy stuff um you guys get both you guys obviously you're super talented man um and i think you know again when when we do this show i think every week we figure out that you got to have amazing content i think that's the main thing people should be really looking at how to perfect their content figure out what they love to make you know and kind of you know how to perfect that craft and you listen when we say perfect the craft i don't think anyone's ever going to be perfect i think you're always going to be able to get better but you're just striving to have the most crisp sounding uh you know music that you're making and putting out i mean just i think focus on that first um and then obviously as you can see it takes consistency I mean, they're both sitting 800 tracks, um, you know, 10 years combined. This is this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Usually it can, but usually it doesn't. So building, building your business, building your brand, it takes time. But I think overall content is key. Content is king. I say it all the time. Secondly, consistency is it will make you or break you. And then, you know, third is just patience, man. It's just it's a lot of patience and a lot of ups and downs. But um, that that's my best advice, guys. I, I I appreciate you guys coming on here today. We got a couple more minutes, like six, seven minutes. I want to take some questions from the chat, um, see if anybody's got any questions like regarding, you know, how you guys got the one million streams. And it's not just about getting the one million streams. It's just is a cool name for the show <laughs> and a way to have certain people on. But I mean, it's not just about that. It's the like, I think we get bogged down with numbers way too much and not about the human connection. And I think um, you guys have proven that yeah numbers are great but you've built relationships whether it's you know like me and pain over you know 11 years or it's with somebody you maybe have never seen before but you've talked to them back and forth in email who bought multiple beats from you and you're trying to take care of them as a customer um i think i think it's fair to say that you know all of us all of us kind of you know have, have done that to build these business so Guys, anything else you got? You guys want to chime in on, or you know, feedback on anything I've said? You guys are uh, paying. You're muted. So I'm, I'm scanning the, <laughs> scanning the, the chat for questions. Cool. How much, man? What What do you think? I mean, have you done a lot of interviews like this, or is this kind of like you know, first time? Yeah, stepping out. That's what I mean. Dude, that's, yeah. that's the most beautiful thing I love about this show, man. Is because I swear I think half the guests have never done anything like this, and it's so cool to see you guys come out. And um, you've always been super respectful and, and responsive, you know, in emails that I've talked to a lot of you on. But it's it's super cool that you guys come out here, and I, I think you do it because you know, one, you love music. Two, I think you guys love beat stars, and then three, you love the community and you want to give back and let people know kind of what you've done to get there. So. Um, I appreciate you doing it, man, because it says a lot that, you know, you've never really done this type of stuff and, you know, you chose to do it here. So thank you. We, we, we greatly appreciate it, man. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm just, I'm glad to, you know, share my story and, and also talk with you, uh, pain one. Cause like, I mean, even when I started, like you were one of the OGs, I remember like, uh, before I was even putting beats on YouTube, I remember, uh, there was a series of videos of yours that I watched uh, talking about sampling and that that was like super helpful for me and kind of gave me the confidence to like move forward and like like all right it's you know i can i can sample and i've like sent so many people to that video before too because there's so much misinformation out there but um thank you yeah man um i i did want to mention one thing i you guys were kind of talking on it earlier 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something that maybe like the newer, the newer people could really latch on to is the idea. Um, I forget the guy's name, but there's this idea of like 1000 true fans. Um, there's an yeah. article online, you know about that? Yeah, it, I haven't, I've, I, I haven't seen this article or know who you're talking about specifically, but this is actually something that I talk about and have for years about, mm-hmm. um, a thousand fans. I'll have to give you my, my, my point of view. And you can tell me if it's, if it's on point with this dudes, but basically my, my point is think about a thousand fans and getting them to spend a hundred dollars a year. Um, and that's a hundred K minus, you know, obviously taxes, expenses and stuff. So let's just say 70 grand to be fair. Um, it's totally doable, man. And it's, and if, even if you want to scale it down, cause right. I don't even think you should start at that. I think a thousand right. is, is, is even being very aggressive. And I think that even can be negative in a sense, because it's going to seem so far to achieve. You need to start, start with a hundred, start with 50 and you build and build and build and, and not, not to cut you off, but I saw somebody in the question that says, uh, I'm just getting started out. How long does it take for me to start trending on B stars? That's, that's the wrong perspective to have. In my opinion, the perspective to have is how can I put out the best incredible content and how can I reach the people who are most likely to, to like it. And once you figure that out and then you can maneuver ways to do it, whether it's with paid advertising, social media marketing, and all these different things that you as business owners need to learn first. So you have a grasp on what's going on. Um, but yes, uh, please feel free to chime in more on the thousand fans. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's a great way to look at things. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if you take, I don't know what the, I think the average income like for household or, or something is like between 40 and 60,000 in, mm-hmm. in the United States of America. So yeah, even if you scale that down, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 500 people, you know, in a year, if you could five, 500, 500 people that'll spend, you know, a hundred dollars, which is what, like an unlimited lease, you know, for one song, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you can make you, you you can make a decent income. So um I think I think a lot of times people try to go viral or they try to look at the numbers and like obviously like it's super dope that you know that I have over a million and and you know that we have this platform. But like there's people on here that have way less and that are making really yes. solid, you know, livable income or or at least able to like live the dream of you know being a full-time producer, full-time musician, maybe they're only making 40,000, but like that's super dope that that BeatStars is able to provide that, you know, for people. So um, it's not always about numbers, kind of like you were saying, but yeah, Yeah. serve, serve your people, man. Serve your people. There's there's an audience out there for everybody. Like I said, man, if you have the music, so that's why I focus on the content first is very key and uh, making sure it's, it's good enough and people are going to, you know, want to engage with it and then eventually purchase it. I mean, it's a process, man. It's a, it's definitely a, you know, a, a funnel of, you know, getting it out to people and then getting feedback from people, then improving and then remarketing and da, da, da. like there's a ton that goes into it, but it's all, it's all doable. We got like one minute. Cause I know we got another show coming up, so I don't want to be on here when I'm getting kicked off by the other host, but pain, man, say what you got to say, bro. Um, and then let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. I was just going to say, so the full episode is coming out on, on Monday. It's the, Music Entrepreneur Club podcast powered by BeatStars. Um, we had Curtis King on. Uh, it's Sick. not released yet. We recorded it. But Curtis King said, instead of asking how to build a fan base, what you need to do is conceptualize that as investing in a fan base. And I really liked him saying that because a lot of producers ask the question of how do I get to this point? How do I get? How do I make this amount of money? How do I get this amount of followers and and like you said mike that's that's the wrong question and um you know are you willing to invest in these people that become your fans or who Mm -hmm. already are your supporters how do you do that is it by giving them value every single day is it by being consistent is it by interacting with all of them is it by giving them deals is it by giving them something that they can't get from any other producer online is it all of the above those are the questions to ask. I just wanted to add that. No, beautiful, man. I appreciate it. Guys, like I said, thank you so much for being on. Um, you guys can always come back and watch the show on Twitch. On uh, I don't know about YouTube, but mainly just Twitch. Come back to Twitch. Sign up if, you, if you're not on Twitch. It's a dope platform. But you can watch every episode. I've done four of these episodes, the million, uh, or the mil- one million stream. So definitely go back and check all the people we had on. A lot of, lot of dope information. Uh, we actually had a fellow on uh, back in June, and we talked about 2020 visions. And I hyped that beat up, man, just like I was hyping these beats up. And then Meek Mill got on it the other day. It's crazy. So we're making history on this show 
guys. I appreciate you again. Homage, man. Dude, stay in touch, man. Anything you need, reach out, Payne. You already know what the deal is. Everybody watching, especially Bufo in the chat. That's my guy. Uh, pleasure seeing everybody, and and thank you. Uh, next show coming up is Rise of the Challenge, I believe. So enjoy, and uh, we'll see everybody soon. All right. Peace.